0: Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Kiss Christ- my. Happy Hanukkah.
1: For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we always hoped we would be. When you look at that, isn't that glorious? It's, it's 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 indescribably beautiful. Oh
0: Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree. Oh
1: Christmas tree. Oh Christmas tree. Ah! Can't pull the icy path. Tis the season to be merry.
0: Well that's my name. Tosh.
2: Tis the season to be merry, and that is not my name. My name is John Reed, and I am your host of the thirty-something movie podcast knee deep in christmas month we call it christmas month i guess we call it christmas month a month of our christmas movies mostly christmas except for the babe that was the only one baseball movie but there is a babe in a manger so that's what that one is this is episode number 447 home alone 2 lost in new york and i'm not lost in new york i don't know if bo warmbold are you lost in new york god i hope not you look like you're lost somewhere else. What what's your background from?
1: Uh, that is Rings of Power. That is oh, the yeah, yeah. island nation of Yeah, that place. Oh, that
2: place. Yeah. That place with that guy. Numenor. Okay. I, I got there. I still have not started watching that show yet, so.
1: <laughs> oh, it's fun.
2: I like it. It's it's worth a watch.
1: I think so. Okay. Yeah. It's also one that if you if you were busy and waited till the second season, I think that would make sense too. It's it's one of those. Do a little
2: binging? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. As I said, this one is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And uh, I think I think it might just be the two of us together lost here tonight. I think we lost the rest of them. Being the holiday time, there's there's band concerts and music concerts and all kinds there's of stuff.
1: There's the man. Oh,
2: there's Dennis. Hey, Dennis. How's it going? Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I love that picture. Nice job. Well, Thank you. So as I said, again, this one is Home Alone 2, and uh, the reason Pat is not here, I would say the reason he's not here is because of a music concert, but it's a combination of he hates Home Alone and he hates children. So that's the primary reason he's not here this evening, Uh, not because he's helping out at a music concert at one of our middle schools in our school district.
0: Nah. I'm hoping he shows up.
2: I, I'll be curious. I already know from our text message exchange kind of how he feels about this one, which is not too different than how he feels about the first one. So I'll be curious. Well, I saw see
0: it all it. today, so it's interesting. So,
2: yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we'll just we'll dive right on in. So, again, this one is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. It came out on the 20th of November, 1992. Rated PG with a runtime of two hours, two hours flat. Directed by Christopher Columbus not the explorer. This Christopher Columbus is or Chris Columbus. He is a director, producer, screenwriter. He is known for the first couple of Harry Potter movies, Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire. He's worked as a writer on several films including The Goonies and Gremlins. And I think if you if you wanted a like a DNA of Chris Columbus movies, it's the ability to take some stories that are fairly beloved if they already exist like the Harry Potter movies or the ability to work well with young actors. I think in a lot of his different movies, he's working with kids, and he tends to work with the child actors pretty well. So let's see. And then John Hughes was the writer for this one. He passed away in 2009. He obviously is known for, as well, working with younger actors and kind of defining the genre of the 80s teen movie. We've covered Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and several of his movies. Here on the podcast, he is a, a staple of 80s and, and I guess we can even say, early 90s movies. He grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, so oftentimes his movies take place in some suburbs of Chicago, as is true with Home Alone. He also produced some kind of wonderful The Great Outdoors and a lot of his other movies as well. Music was done by John Williams again this time. He did the music for the first one. He's back again for this one. He also did Star Wars and Jurassic Park. Cinematography was done by Julio Macat, who did Pitch Perfect and Wedding Crashers. And the editor was Raja Gosnell, who did Pretty Woman and Rookie of the Year. Budget for this one was $28 million. Box office was $359 million. So, yeah, that, it made a bit of coin. That's a lot of money. For a, movie about yeah. a kid, for a movie about a kid running around New York City and setting traps that is a sequel to the other one, that $350 billion is pretty good. Yeah, that's and, solid. And them's nineteen ninety-two dollars, so
1: Right. That's a that's another solid point. Yeah.
2: Flick metrics gives this one a fifty-seven percent. I wanna say the first Home Alone on Flickmetrics might have a 68% or something like that, so this one was a a roughly 10% drop in that collective score there. CinemaScore gives it an A-, so obviously the people that went to see it enjoyed it because that's usually what CinemaScore is, is you go see the movie and you are surveyed as you are leaving to see how you found the film. Starring Macaulay Culkin as Kevin McAllister, he was in My Girl and The Good Son. Joe Pesci as Harry, he was in Goodfellas and Raging Bull. Daniel Stern as Marv, he was in City Slickers and the narrator of The Wonder Years. Katherine O'Hara played Kate, she was in Best in Show and Beetlejuice. John Hurd, who died in 2017, played Peter, he was in Big and Awakenings. Devin Rattray played Buzz, he was in Nebraska and RIPD. Tim Curry was the concierge, he was in Clue and Rocky Horror Picture Show. Brenda Fricker played the Pigeon Lady. She was in My Left Foot and A Time to Kill. Eddie Bracken, who died in 2002, played Mr. Duncan. He was in National Lampoon's Vacation and Hail the Conquering Hero. Dana Ivey played the Hotel Desk Clerk. She was in The Addams Family and Two Weeks Notice. And Rob Schneider played the Bellman. He was in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, and The Hot. Some real quick trivia on this one. Macaulay Culkin was paid $4.5 million to star in this movie, which was the biggest salary ever to an 11-year-old at the time of filming, as a child actor, if you had given me 4.5 million, I, some of that I know goes to his agent and pay fees and, and other things like that. But if you'd given me 4.5 million dollars in this 11 year old, I think I'd buy by a jet. Or a small island. What I is was going
1: to say, you'd have to have an island to fly the jet to, too, it's, right? The, I mean,
2: the, the place I would, the, the island, is a, it's a little bitty place. It's called Otisburg. It's just a little bitty, Mr. Luthor, it's just a little bitty place. A little bit more trivia here. The pigeon attack sequence was filmed on March 25th, 1992. According to Joe Pesci, the crew covered him and Daniel Stern with real birdseed and about 300 pigeons. I don't know if I could have done that. There was one other thing I saw in one of the trivia deals where Daniel Stern said that a pigeon actually flew into his mouth and it was disgusting. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I, I can only I, imagine. Yeah, that sounds pretty nasty. I mean, to fit with the whole New York City thing, aren't pigeons kind of the rats of the bird world? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not the—they're probably yeah. not the healthiest of animals. Not the cleanest or healthiest. Yeah, though. no. Let's see what else we got. Director Christopher Columbus—I keep calling Christopher—it's Chris Columbus—recalled that the production spent a lot of money on artificial snow for Central Park, and then New York City had a blizzard. So the airport scenes, because obviously we had some airport scenes in the first movie too, at O'Hare International Airport. The airport scenes were exponentially more difficult to shoot than the first movie because Macaulay Culkin was now a celebrity. So they had Mm -hmm. to hire extra security to keep back the fans and paparazzi. They did actually film the scenes at O'Hare in February of 1992. So they had kept their Christmas decorations up a little bit longer for the filming of the movie. Well, how nice then? It was nicer than that's, you know. O'Hare Airport is nothing if not jolly. Apparently. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. Me neither. Uh, they took their decorations up. That's a long time. It is a long time. Yeah, all the way into February? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's other stuff to do. I don't, I don't. They don't decorate for Valentine's, do they? No. I don't know. I don't fly anywhere <laughs> anytime. I don't fly anywhere for work, so. In Home Alone, the original from 1990, Kevin watched a movie called Angels with Filthy Souls, In this movie, he watches that movie's sequel, Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Like Angels with Filthy Souls, Angels with Even Filthier Souls is not a real movie and was filmed separately from and specifically for Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. The Talk Boy, which I kind of wanted after this movie came out, that tape recorder that Kevin plays with in the movie did not actually exist before Home Alone 2 came out. It was a prop created specifically for the movie, but after it came out, Tiger Electronics created and distributed a real version of the Talk Boy, along with its pink and purple counterpart, the Talk Girl. I remember when they came out. Because if you just color it up slightly differently, it's now for girls. Well, sure. Because girls don't like silver. Because it's the eighties, right? Well, nineties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. Mm. Kevin's room service bill indicates that he spent $967, which by the end of the movie we realize his father is not too happy about. However, I'm going to point this out now, even though I would have said it later, or what was in the Saturday Night Live skit with Hans and Franz. Hear me now and believe me later. When his dad gets upset about the $967 room service bill, may I point out that the family is staying in a massive, massive suite, absolutely complimentary from the hotel, so they're not spending anything on this actual room. The hotel is giving them the room, and who knows mm-hmm. what that costs per night. But
1: how many days was she actually alone in New York?
2: It only seems like it was a couple.
1: And, I, you know, this is no secret to our listening audience. I am not a small man. Not, neither am I. I can drink and eat with the best of them. I don't know if I could spend that much money on room service in that I, short period of time.
2: I'm not even picky that it has to be the best of them. I'm willing to try. Yeah, I just don't know if I could do it. <laughs> All right. Well, if anybody out there is listening, let's let's pull the resources of of the Twitterverse and the internet, and, thirty
1: podcast uh, nation. Let's yeah, uh, let's the make thirty this podcast happen.
2: nation. If you want to, uh, if you want to send in a a collective nine hundred and sixty seven dollars, we would be happy to go stay in a hotel room and buy that much worth of room service and uh, give it a try. I mean, I, I'm fully willing to yep. disrespect a hotel room by indulging in that much room service. Uh, but anyway, his, his bill, the $967, comes to two chocolate cakes, six chocolate mousses with chocolate, vanilla and strawberry ice cream topped with M&Ms, chocolate sprinkles, cherries, nuts, marshmallows, caramel syrup, chocolate syrup, strawberry syrup, whipped cream, bananas, six custard flans, a pastry cart, eight strawberry tarts and 36 chocolate covered strawberries. That's a lot of chocolate.
1: I will say the chocolate covered strawberries sound pretty good though. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. The one thing I do miss is the deleted scene that they had from this movie where w- Wilford Brimley shows up and talks to him about the dangers of diabetes. <laughs> that would be outstanding yes <laughs> that would be i mean we had donald trump show up so i i feel like it would yeah be, so how
1: far away is wilford brimley really i mean
2: i, I really don't think Wilfred brimley and and diabetes is a bridge too far i, I think it no. Would be, i would i would tend to agree i wholeheartedly endorse it let's see what else kit culkin macaulay culkin's father would not commit him to star in home alone Two: lost in new york until the producers signed him on to star in the good son which we will actually be talking about next year oh, he did not want. Movie. he i have not seen it i've
1: I'm, oh, creepy
2: movie. I'm kind of curious. So He did not want to see his son typecast and intended that the R-rated suspense drama would be key to avoiding that. So, hmm. All right. Very well, then. All right, quick synopsis for this one. We'll give you the trailer, and then we will get on into discussing this little gem. In a world where Kevin McAllister gets separated from his family once again. This time he ends up in New York City, Instead of New York City, get a rope. Thank you, thank you. Instead of Chicago, he managed. I love those commercials. I know. It's
1: It's so stupid. It's funny. That's
2: this. This salsa is made in New York City. New York, New York City. Get a rope, and he does. He gets many ropes in this movie. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe the wet bandits just they have a New York City salsa. Mm. That's the crux of the whole problem. It's not actually that they're criminals. They just buy the wrong kind of salsa. He manages to check into the Plaza Hotel, the most exciting place to stay in New York City, using his father's credit card, and he soon gets into all sorts of mischievous adventures around the city. Meanwhile, the wet and sticky bandits, Harv and Marv, Harv, I don't know where I got that from, Harry and Marv are really... Harv and Marv... I think Carve I was thinking
1: Marv and Large Marge. And, and Large
2: March. Yeah, that was that was their uh, singing trio back in the day. Are released from prison and once again on the hunt for Kevin. The film follows Kevin as he tries to outsmart the wet and sticky bandits and enjoy his time in New York City, all while trying to find his way back to his family.
1: Hey, pal. pal. The halls with Marv and Harry. Make their Christmas not so merry Give them bricks and give them wrenches One for Christmas in the trenches Toss some paint cans down to greet them Send the toolbox down to meet them Serve the nails for Christmas dinner Kevin is declared the winner May I do the thinking, please?
2: Home Alone 2, lost in New York.
1: You wearing Aftershave? That's kerosene. Now, why would anybody soak a rope in kerosene? Merry Christmas. Why the spoiler alert? Why did they declare Kevin the winner in the trailer? I don't know.
0: That's what I'm saying. They knew people were going to go see it anyway.
1: That's fair.
2: Okay. I mean, I I guess. I guess you kind of it's it's understood they're not going to kill the kid.
0: Yeah. And you can basically make the same movie over again, and people still go see it, and they kind of knew that coming in.
2: Yeah. I mean, I it would be awesome to get Home Alone directed by Quentin Tarantino. And really have that kind of a twist ending to it. But, yeah, I just don't see. There's going to be a lot more blood if it's directed by Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that nail gun is going to hit a lot more than just butts and crotches. And somebody's dead when those bricks hit, too. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's the name of our our next band.
2: Butts and crotches. Butts and crotches, (laughs) that's right. It sounds like that, what was that, one of the commercials where the, oh, shoot, what was it? It was trying to do like a little uh, beatboxing, the boots and cats and boots and cats and boots cats, and cats, cats, butts, cats and crotches, you know. butts and crotches, butts and crotches, butts and crotches. It's the same kind of thing. It's a dance beat. I don't know what what to what kind of dance, but. Best not to think about that too hard, I don't, a, don't think. It's a new craze, sweeping the nation. All right, it's time for major moments. My first major moment, I'm actually going to pull a quote from a new, another movie for this one. I'm calling this one
1: How the same happen to the same guy twice.
2: As once again the McAllisters are going on vacation and this time at least they get Kevin to the airport. There is once again an argument I know Pat would say they've learned nothing here. There's an argument they think that they might have misplaced him at first. There's kind of a funny scene where they don't even think he gets in the van with the rest of the family. Of course they oversleep again because somebody unplugged the alarm clock, but basically yes, they are leaving Kevin behind once more. This time they lose him at the airport because there's a guy that looks just like his dad, has the same coat as his dad. He ends up following him to the gate for the plane that is going to New York as opposed to the plane that is going to Florida. So I'm calling this next one. Here I go again on my own because Kevin's home he's he's not home alone, he's lost in New York alone this time. So he gets to New York, realizes, hey, my wish might have come true again. But again, Kevin didn't learn anything because last time he got his wish. It didn't work out the way he wanted to. He missed his family, and now we're doing it all over again. So he is in New York. He is able to check into the hotel. He does some trickery. He is able to check into the hotel using his dad's credit card and promises that his dad will stop by later to sign whatever needs to be signed. So he gets checked into the hotel, he orders room service, he makes the best of his situation. The next one I'm calling Duncan's Toy Chest. He stops off at the Duncan's Toy Chest store. Mr. E.F. Duncan is the owner of Duncan's Toy Chest, and apparently he's doing some kind of undercover boss thing where he's running one of the registers that day when Kevin comes by. They chatted up a little bit. Kevin donates $20 to the children's hospital because he has a bunch of cash and he feels like he's got a good heart. And so he feels like the other kids at the children's hospital can use it more than he can. Because of that, Mr. Duncan gives him, allows him to take for free these little ornaments of these turtle doves and tells him, you keep one for yourself, give one to a very special person because they are a symbol of love and friendship. The next one I'm calling the Wet Bandits strike back. The Wet Bandits are back this time. Somehow they're trying to call themselves the Sticky Bandits. Names are not their forte. So they are back, and they find Kevin pretty quickly, and they realize that they have an opportunity to get revenge on him for what he did to them in the first movie. The next one I'm calling Pigeon Lady. That's where Kevin encounters the bird lady in the park. Even though she's a—we tried to— learn more about her as a character. And, and part of her character is that she's not noticed by anyone, that people keep their distance from her because she's covered in birds and she's probably not very clean and all these other things. The shame is, is that we never learn her name. So someone who we're trying to, we're, we're being told, you should get to know this person. You should connect with this per- type of person because otherwise they're alone. And But we don't know her name. She never ends up having a name, I think, other than Pigeon Lady. So there's that one. Number seven, made some special modifications myself. This is where Kevin is starting to lay some traps, as he does. As you do when you're Kevin McAllister. He lays some traps for the wet, sticky bandits. I don't really want to call them that. That's terrible. But he lays some traps for them in his uncle's townhome that's being renovated. They're out of town. I think they're in Paris or somewhere like that. So he has free reign to be able to do whatever he needs to do. And it's got... Just enough holes in the floor and nails around and doorknobs that can be heated up and toilets that can have kerosene dumped in them and, and all that other fun stuff. Major moment number eight I'm calling The Birds like Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. The sticky bandits chase Kevin into the park, at which point the pigeon lady helps kind of do them in by getting them covered with birdseed, and they are attacked by, I think in, in some of the trivia, it said like over 300 birds they end up getting attacked by, and that gives the police enough time to catch them and take them away. He's reunited with his family at the end, and this final moment I'm calling the toy store owner who saved Christmas, because Mr. Duncan, while they didn't have any gifts or anything like that, everything kind of got ruined because they had made their trip from Florida to New York York to go get Kevin, that Mr. Duncan swings in and delivers a bunch of presents to their hotel room at the hotel in there in New York City, probably because... Earlier in the movie, Kevin had to throw a brick through a window and he I think he left some money and he left an apology note, you know, saying, I'm really sorry. This is to pay for the window. And, you know, thank you. You've been so kind and, and everything else. And this is why I'm breaking the window. So on and so forth. It's on the I believe it's on the hotel's letterhead. So obviously, Mr. Duncan knew where to send those Christmas gifts. And then the final moment we have is Kevin is out in the park and he is saying his goodbye to the pigeon lady. And he hears his father yelling about the nine hundred and was it nine hundred and sixty-seven dollar room service bill, and Kevin panics and then goes running off. Now, one thing I do want to mention that Bo, I think, texted uh, you, texted this to me, and it was that that's there's a little bit of a dark take on this that because Kevin McAllister is not in any of the other Home Alone movies going forward, the last moment we see him is that he runs off and he's lost in New York City. And we never see him ever again. And we don't know what came of his character. It's a dark take. It's Home Alone 2 after dark. Anyway, yes, so those are the major moments of the movie. I, I did want to point out though, real quick, that last major moment. I don't know why the dad is upset. Because of Kevin, they are getting this massive hotel suite for free. I mean, it, it's all this stuff is being comped for them because, you know, because Tim Curry is wanting to make sure he doesn't lose his job or or get completely eviscerated by, I'm sure, the hotel owners for treating guests this way. So they're getting all this stuff for free. I would imagine that's probably more than $967. So I don't think I'd be too upset about that $967 room service bill. But, you know, to each their own. Everybody can uh, do that however you want to do that. But I don't know that I'd be too upset because you're getting a lot of stuff for free here. That's just me, though. Let's just start off with this. Did you like this movie? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you know, it's Home Alone. It's
1: it's less a sequel and more a remake, but it's fun. I really liked it back then, you know, yeah. seeing a kid kick some butt. Yeah. You know, why not?
2: Dennis, did you like this one? I think I'm
0: going to be representing Pat pretty well today. Okay.
2: <laughs> Someone has to.
0: You know, no, I really... I, I was trying to think, like, how many times have I seen this? And it's pretty much one and a half now, because I saw it the first time back then, and there was probably a reason, again, I couldn't recall why I did I was trying to think, like, did I like it, did I not like it? But for some reason, I never, sh- I never showed this movie to my kids. Mm-hmm. I showed Home Alone 1, and maybe... My wife maybe showed them Home Alone too, but I don't recall. I actually texted them to find out if they had seen it. And and I and it's so again, it's a movie I bypassed probably for a reason. And when I rewatched it now, I kind of realized why. And I think that like when I say a half, unlike Pat, I think he said he got eleven minutes in and that was it. <laughs> I got through the. I'm that. I it's did like it the way movie. I did it the way my dad used to do it when he used to get rent too many videos from the from the video store, yeah, and he, he had to return them in three days. So on day three, he's sitting there kind of watching them and fast forwarding through parts that he just oh, felt yeah. he could be fast forwarded through. So I was just like kind of skipping through and just like stopping it when I saw certain characters in like Tim Curry, because I felt like that was new. And everything else was just, it was just like you said, it's not a sequel. It literally is a, a remake, almost shot for shot on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm just like, I felt like it, like maybe it's the more jaded older me now, but I'm like, it's, it's the, it's like, a, it's like, a, just, it just was a cash grab. Yeah. You know, it was like, we we're going to write on that. We're, we're not going to put much, much into a script. We're going to basically even call it home alone Two. What's the concept? He's going to get left like base. Go, oh, well, instead of the same house, we could do it where he's in New York, you know, and I just felt like it was not as funny because there, there were some funny moments and some funny people. I think Tim Curry, and there's definitely some moments in there that were funny, but overall I just, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't like it. I mean, I love the first one, and we've seen that one 50,000 times, and I'm, like, thinking, why haven't we seen Home Alone 2? And I'm like, oh, now I know why. Because it's mm-hmm. basically Home Alone, Home Alone 1, but not as good. Right. You know, and how much slapstick, and I love, like, Three Stooges slapstick, I love all that stuff, but it seemed like even a lot of those things were really similar. And I and I, and I I think the bigger difference, if we get into it more, is, like, the bigger difference for me, and I don't know why, in the first one, I'm pulling a Macaulay Cog. I'm, I'm pulling for that character, his character. You know, you're you are, in this one, I'm almost pulling for the bad guys because I felt like he was a little bit more snotty. Mm-hmm. He was a little bit more, he, the cuteness wasn't there, the charm wasn't there because he's a little bit older. And I felt like he was just kind of like more like a kind of a smart-alecky bratty kid in this one mm-hmm. where he was a little bit like, a little bit. there was a little bit more innocence in the first one versus this one where he's kind of like enjoying it too much. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that's because Macaulay Culkin was enjoying those millions.
0: I I was going to say when you made the comment about him getting four point million, I, I, if you pay that playback, then I sort of said, yeah, he was kind of acting like it too. Like he acted like he had gotten Mm -hmm. four million, like he was now bigger and better than everybody else. And again, it's, it's just, maybe it's also the parenting thing, the way he taught, like there's certain things where I was like, I think maybe that's why I didn't want my, I don't know. I just never, I I never showed it to my kids. I know that just skipped the thing. It was like, you can't see it. It was more like, eh, I ain't showing that one. And I don't know why, but now I kind of know why. Probably. Mm -hmm. So, and I think I remember my dad being not happy with that. I want to recall. I started thinking, like, because my dad would never want kids, like, talking back like that. And I think that he kind of had, like, a whole sort of just kind of just a s- little bit more of a smart, smart-alecky attitude. And he's too good for all the adults. And <clears throat> I don't know. Seemed less of a kid and a little bit more of a, a punk.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but I yes. think that,
0: that was that – was, uh, I think that's my take on it, so –
2: For a movie where people are constantly getting hurt, I think my take on this one is it's fairly harmless. Is it? It's like, like you've said, it's it's really a, it's really more of a remake. You know, they obviously
0: the old guy and that that relationship like makes the first movie in my opinion like really Mm -hmm. gives that sentimental sort of tone to it and message or whatever. It's like so the first one had that and then they tried to redo it with the pigeon lady, right? And I'm like it just didn't have the same thing again. Cause it was just like, you're doing exactly the same thing. And I'm, I can't get all sentimental about it. And this one, I felt like while there was more of an equal exchange, I felt like he was the young kid again, telling almost telling this old lady, like how about life, mm-hmm.
2: you know? Yeah.
0: And, and I'm like, I felt like the other one, it was the old guy who kind of like said things that made him. Yeah. And then he reciprocated it back as well at the end. Right. So it was like lesson learned. And then, right back at you type of thing where this one, it felt like it wasn't that same give and take type of thing, mutual kind of, you know, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it's just, it just, well, it's the same thing, just not done as well. Yeah. So.
2: It's kind of like, you know, how some other, I, I was looking up, I was, I was just curious to see if anybody had a, like a list of, what are the things you should keep in mind when making a sequel? And there's a yeah. few lists out there, you know, and, and some of the recommendations yeah. are things like give the viewer something new. Uh, Mm -hmm. make the stakes different than they were in the original. And they this one article that I was looking at made a good point. It's like, well, a lot of times you want to, uh, you know, maybe you could do similar things to what you did in the original, but do it on a larger scale. And they make a point of saying, for example, Speed 2, instead of a bus, it's on a cruise ship. Yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. okay, but it's still pretty much the same story. Like there's not a whole, lot. the beats are not any different. You're not doing anything different with the characters. One of Pat's points, he was texting, we were texting a little bit back and forth earlier today. One of his points was he still can't stand the family. He's like, these people have not learned anything. There's zero growth here. They haven't learned anything from the first movie. As with the first movie, there is that growth from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, but you would kind of figure as a sequel that you would have seen at least a little bit of growth if this was a huge traumatic event that happened to them in the first movie last year in their timeline, you would think that other than just referencing that this happened last year, that maybe there'd be a little bit of a change in people's behaviors. And, you know, maybe the parents would be a little bit more on, what's his name, Uncle Frank's case for being a jerk. And it just, it doesn't happen. So it really is. It's a rehashing of the original plot just in a completely different, and even the characters reference that. When the Wet Bandits show up, they're like, well, he doesn't have a house now. He's got New York City. i like, yeah. yeah, no kidding. Thanks for pointing that out to the audience. We already had that kind of figured out. So I, I say it's a harmless movie because as I'm watching it, am I sitting there? I'm not, and I'm not making fun of Pat by saying this, I'm not sitting there like Pat getting actively angry at this movie for what it's doing. I'm watching this movie. I'm enjoying this movie, but I'm not enjoying this movie the way I enjoy the original. You know, when mm. the when the characters are falling down a ladder or getting nailed in the crotch with a staple gun or when when Harv or Marv or Large Marge or whatever his name is gets his cap set on fire again, I'm sitting there going, dude, this happened to you in the first movie. Just take the hat off. Your hat's on fire. Your head's not on fire. Just take the hat off. You don't have to stuff your head in the toilet, which is filled with kerosene, and blow the whole house up. Just take your hat off. It's, it's really not that difficult. But I think it's, it's because... They do so much that is the same. You know, you go back to the same well of, well, we're going to show the Angels with Filthy Souls movie, and we're going to have mm-hmm. him use the audio of that with the guy that has a Tommy gun. It's, it's, to me, it feels, while I'm fine watching it and I am entertained by it, it's not one that I'm like, oh, I love Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. I'm like, yeah, it's the second Home Alone movie, and it's, it's all right. Exactly. It exists. It exists. Yeah. For my
1: entertainment of sorts.
0: I mean, I think, I think kindergarten top two, I think Caddyshack two, it's the same feeling. Like they're never going to top the original. They seem like they're just a, almost a, Hey, let's just ride the coattails of that. Not really put much thought into the script. Yeah. Kind of rehash the sort of same concept and idea. So that also like makes it a little bit more, I, and like you said, not angry at it, but it just feels like it's a waste of my time. Yeah. Kind of thing, I don't really feel like if I have to spend an hour and a half watching a movie, which I would like to do, I want to do it on something that's going to either give me something new or a classic that I know had heart and soul into the script and wasn't just a re- remake and like I just kind of, like I said, I refer to it as a money grab. Yeah. So I think that, that's like a big part, like as I was watching it. And, I, and I'll be honest, like the skipping through this, is like the type of things when you have to do like GVC training or something, <laughs> is there some value to those? Yeah, there is probably, there's some, somebody made something and put it together and there's some effort. but overall it's not enough to really like warrant. I feel like the, it, this, it just, it just, I, I have better use of my time and there's other movies I, I haven't seen that I would like to see. Yeah. So it felt like maybe that also kind of resentment comes out as I'm watching it going, I'm watching this and this is something, it felt like homework.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's a homework assignment Pat did not complete, by the way.
2: That's, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. What could they have done to make this a better sequel? So, we talk sometimes about sequels that surpass the original. You know, I think some people would argue that Aliens surpassed Alien. Some would argue that Terminator 2 surpassed Terminator. Sure. Um, you know, some would argue that Empire Strikes Back is a superior movie to Star Wars. So, in those examples, the sequel may have been better than the original. What could they have done differently? To make this sequel, I don't know if it'd be better than the original, but what could they have done to to save this one? If we're saying, eh, it's it exists.
0: Well, number one, don't call it Home Alone two. I think I think that you've established this kid as a character. You've established like, and people loved him. And obviously, the first one was a big hit. And you had this obviously the the villains and stuff. I think you bring in new villains. And I think you have, and it could be kids who are the villains and it could be something that involves something, not him being necessarily the same concept being lost at home. Maybe he's locked in some other place for a while for a night or something, or gets locked in a store, but like, I don't know. I'm like, I just started thinking that now, but I'm thinking like, it's a good question and something they should have been asking back then. And and I feel like there's some other story you could have gone off different and just use the character that you established and put him in a different setting in a different plot. And again, it might not have topped the first one, which this one didn't either. But at least there was a little bit of effort that I think people would have appreciated. I think it still would have sold
2: well. What you could have done is you could have put it in. You could have had it set in the airport. Now the sequel is set in yeah, the, airport.
0: Yeah, the airport. Yes, I could
2: see a whole scene where you're doing this chase through like the you know the the baggage conveyor belts. I can see this whole scene where you've got maybe the criminals have somehow taken over this little church that's on the outskirts of the runways. And, and, and I'm just thinking like, how could the same thing happen to the same kid twice? And I think maybe that's what you do is you have it take place in the airport. This time is, I I don't know. It's I, that mm-hmm. for some reason, that idea just struck me just now. So, and I well, think, I, and I think you have either Harv or Marv or Harry or large Marge do some naked calisthenics at the beginning of the yeah, movie. That's what we want to yeah, see.
0: I think there also should be cameos. Like, I, I don't know if they should, they could have maybe been in there, but they shouldn't have been the main character, main yeah. culprit. Again. I feel like that just was, again, what are the odds? And then we, and I know you suspend disbelief. It's, it's just, it's just the thing If you see him like how many times before they run to him, like out of all the places in New York city, they're going to run to these two guys after they've been out of prison, mm-hmm. it's going to happen to be at the right time. at the right, you know, it's just like, it's like very far fetched again, where it's like, okay, ha, ha, I get it. Like it, that it's so absurd that it's it should be funny, but. At the same time, it's like, eh, he could have gone for something different.
1: Yeah. Would have
0: been nice to have two different
1: different villains for sure. And Cause... maybe
0: he's lost with somebody else and not just himself. And he's not home alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, there's there's a lot, of, I don't know, there's just other variations, I think, but I don't know if they even explored those. They just said, Hey, everybody loved this so much. If we just do the same thing with a different setting, the name alone is gonna carry it. And we're and I just feel like that was kind of the attitude. Yeah. And I just lacked originality no matter how much they tried to say, hey, it's in a different place, you know?
1: Yeah. I was thinking, like, I can't – you said – I think maybe Pat said it. They haven't learned a lesson. Yeah. True. So maybe they should have. So everybody spends the first 10 minutes making sure Kevin gets on the gosh darn plane, right? But then he gets lost once you get there, like – Yes. Maybe he's lost on the receiving end because they were so focused on tracking him. Once they got on the plane, nobody cares, mm-hmm. you know? So they learned a little bit, but now he's lost at home. At, and then the, in the receiving airport, or he's lost.
0: Home alone, lost on vacation. You know? You got... yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: He was home um... alone and now he's lost on vacation and maybe they're, Maybe if anything, maybe they flew back home and he got left behind at the vacation spot. Mm-hmm. There
1: you go. Like, they made so much of an effort to get him there. Get him
0: there, and they didn't realize that they forgot to get him back home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or something.
1: Yeah. They, there was, There's a few gimmicks that I feel like they just didn't...
0: Could have explored. Didn't bother really, with. Yeah, I'll just do the same thing.
2: Yeah. So a little bit more of a general question, not specifically related to this movie, and I, I feel like I used this because I was trying to introduce it to one of my kids not too long ago. I feel like I used this phrase or this word... On a previous episode, do you enjoy movies, TV shows, stage plays, where the concept of the schadenfreude is a main focus? So the the definition of schadenfreude, which is a fun German word to say, is uh, finding joy in the distress and pain of others. So I think of examples of like The Three Stooges. Love mm-hmm. The Three Stooges. Obviously this movie, there's a lot of... A lot of pain that probably should have caused death in this movie. The, the, anybody who's one of our Patreon co-executive producers will very soon, if not already, have access to our episode on Eating Raoul, which we are actually recording tonight and the same evening that we're recording this one, and talk about schadenfreude. I mean, people are getting whacked on the head and killed with, uh, with the frying pans. So how do you feel about that? Like, do, do you enjoy that as an entertainment concept? Hmm. Sadly,
1: yes, I do. <laughs> okay.
2: There's nothing sad about it. You don't you have to be sad about that.
1: It's it's cheap humor, but I do I do enjoy it. I can't well, lie.
2: People compare
0: the humor in here to like Wiley e. Coyote. It's like it's like yeah. the road. It's like that. And there is, and it's a cartoon, and it's funny. And I we grew up on that and laughed at it too. And again, it's the same thing in the first one, and it worked. I think too much of it of the same eventually gets old.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't be like the first one you're like what's the next invention what's he going to do next you know and it was like boom 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 and it puts all the things on the sidewalk and then you start when you start thinking rationally about what these things would happen then it's kind of lost it Mm -hmm. so like when he gets hit with the brick you're thinking yeah he's he's at the hospital now or he's dead
1: (laughs) yeah
2: when he when
0: they put all the the marbles on the sidewalk you're thinking what about all the other people who fall on those, you know, right. like not just them. When you think, start thinking about like all of a sudden that I think where he could have gone to the police when they, when they had, he could have gone, he could have called the police. It was like right there about these guys chasing him instead he lies and like, it just, you start rationalizing the movie and that's when I think it doesn't work. And the first one you go along for the ride. Yeah. A roller coaster, it's fun. You're going, you're there. When you start thinking about it and analyzing it, it means it's too much of that. And I mm-hmm. think it becomes not, not as enjoyable. And you can make the argument that you watch the Roadrunner cartoons all over, which we did as kids, and you know, we were also kids. And it and it it does a lot of the it does the theme is the same always, but they also did different creative stunts and things that happened. I don't think they always use the same sort of thing. It was like, what's the new acme, you know, and whatever product that's going to be used in this one. So it sort of felt interesting to see like, oh, that's a new thing. Oh, he did that. He never did that one before. Yeah. Even though the results might be the same, there at least some was some creativity in that type of humor. And I feel like this was just too much of the same. Yeah. Like you said, the hat, the fire, like a lot just, yeah, just the same. Yeah.
2: Shot for shot, almost the same.
0: Yeah, almost. I know them coming up the stairs was one. Like, it's like exactly, the, 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 it's almost filmed exactly the same way.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think I said this on one of our previous episodes. If you do enjoy the concept of Schadenfreude, then you and Christmas movies, you probably want to go see the movie Violent Night because there are several scenes in that movie that are almost shot for shot, you know, remakes of scenes from Home Alone, just even a little bit more disturbing. Let's just say that the guy that... the. There's the scene in Home Alone where the nail goes into the guy's foot. There's a scene in Violent Night where the guy wishes it was his foot. Mm. Um, I'll let you guys see the movie and you'll, you'll find out. All right. Is there anything else we want to say before we jump into our three questions? Anything else? Anybody want to tear anything else down in Pat's honor or?
1: I I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it a yearly rewatch, but you know, if you're looking for something to be on in the background at the holiday season, it's not the worst thing in the universe.
2: If you're a home alone completist and you want to watch all five or six of the movies they've got, then, you know, (laughs) sure. Go ahead. There you go.
1: You got that time. That's what I
0: would say. If you got time to go. Right. There you go. No other movies that you would rather see.
2: Then sure. Yeah. I wouldn't pay for it. Yeah. I wouldn't buy that for a dollar. (laughs) all right three questions
0: he asks each traveler five questions three questions three questions
2: it's impossible to answer
1: impossible because you don't know
2: the answer nobody could answer that question
0: i want to ask you a bunch of questions
1: i want to have them answered immediately what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to
0: anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now
2: dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What movie does the best job of enticing you to visit New York City?
1: This is a tough one. And then Pat stole my initial response.
2: Did he? Okay. Well, he's not here, so you can say your initial response.
1: No, because he, he he texted it first. He wins.
2: All right. So Pat's answer was Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. My response, I'm actually going to steal my son's answer because I, I think I'm – I was trying to think of something else, and then he said this one. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll go with that one. I'm going to go with Elf. Hmm. There you go. That would be my answer. (sighs) New York City. What movie makes you want to get lost in New York?
1: You know, when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Mm
2: Yeah.
1: A lot of solid walking around there. Mm -hmm. Any movie that features Central Park in in any, like... Mm -hmm way makes me want to, th- makes me think about it. Like Muppets take Manhattan's an interesting one. Yes. Mostly because like there is no more amazing shot to me than that pull out shot of Manhattan where you see all the buildings and boom park, mm-hmm.
2: you know? Yeah. Dennis, what movie makes you want to go to the? Oh, so I, I,
0: get some. I'm going old school, which is one of them is is like oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's.
1: Oh yeah, okay. Okay.
0: going old school on that one. But my yeah, modest nice. one, my mom Let's see, what was that? I had? I had a list of two or three. Let me see where it goes. So answer this. i can we go on the computer? Oh, big Tom Hanks. Please. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Those are my two. But I did, I did think of on my list was also ones that Ghostbusters and what you just met, like all those, like were were. Somewhere in the, the short list, yeah. I started just first going like and ranking all the movies. I'm like, which one help? Yeah. So I want to choose something you guys can choose.
2: Nice. Question number two: What was the best hotel you've ever stayed in? <sighs> I enjoy Pat's answer. I can only say I'm, I'm not sure. Answer. I'm not sure you can top Pat's answer. It was as I'm going to mispronounce it too: Ballinalecken Castle mm-hmm. in County Clare, Ireland. I went to go look up pictures. Like, yeah, Pat might win that one. Yeah.
0: So for me, I would have to go with the fanciest probably, which would be the Gaylord in Washington DC. Okay. School trip. It was with Anna Grow and a bunch of people and and a lot of, bunch of co bunch yeah. of coworkers. So for a tech thing, tech yeah. conference
2: out there. I heard they yes. had they had uh, some good Japanese restaurants out there. <laughs> Shout out to Jason. <laughs> Our, our friend Jason Ko, who used to be on the podcast with us. Hi, Jason. Hey. Hi, Mark. <laughs> That's a very specific, we're playing a lot of inside baseball here. That's a very yeah. specific. We've narrowed any it down to the, any recommendations. What do I order? We've narrowed yeah. it down to the one person that'll get that joke.
0: But that would be the nicest that I would say the fanciest. Although I don't know where it was. I want to honestly say it might have been just simply a Holiday Inn or something. There was, and this is from my memory as a kid, and it was one that had like this really cool pool. It wasn't a water park, but it had similar features of water park. I remember having to kind of climb a rope and go from island to island in this water. And I remember swimming at my family. So was it kind of, was I it had, the
1: old school holodomes where like? I think it might have been. The was like in the middle and it was domed yes, over. I think and so. yeah. Yes,
0: I think so. And that's like, I, I couldn't picture, I, I wish I knew 100% which one it was, but you're what you're describing is it. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember having a really awesome time. Going down to the pool, there was an there was a Galaga game in the in the in the lobby area, or yep. like there was like a little game room type of thing they had there, and it and it was back before all the water parks were there, so it wasn't like that, but it was a, a regular 1970s, um, and, the, and I would say that's my most enjoyable time. And my dad was traveling for swimming and stuff, so I remember us being there with that for different things. But that pool, swimming with my brothers, all that I was like, wow, this is not a backyard round pool with nothing in it. You know this is like it's got all this cool stuff and it was like the first taste of any sort of water park slides and things like that they were in there and that was probably the most fun so that was the most fun experience at the hotel like i said i'm guessing it might have been the holodome or one of those type of things nice the fanciest would be the game in washington DC, so nice
1: yeah, that's an interesting one. You you realize how few hotels you stayed in when you think mm-hmm. about a question like this.
0: Well, and um, I think that, like, some people spend, like, I, again, your whole, uh, what do you do with hotels? Like, some people, like, that's, they pick out the hotel, and that's the center thing is because they spend a lot, maybe, time there. Where I, I feel like, for me, hotels were just expensive sleep beds,
1: you mm-hmm.
0: know? And I just, I just need a place that will, I can just lay down and sleep for eight hours and get up and go do stuff wherever I'm at. Where some people are like, I want a nice hotel because they're going to spend a lot of time there. And I don't never looked at hotels like that. I was always like, cheapest bed, place to sleep, eight hours.
2: I'm actually going to New Orleans at the end of January for a conference for work. And I, I picked a hotel. I mean, it looks nice enough because it's like right there in downtown New Orleans. But I picked it because it was within half a mile a walk of the convention center. Sure. Like, the place looks nice yeah. enough and I, maybe it'll be really nice. But I just mainly picked it because... I will sleep there and I would like to walk.
0: And you get there the you go. Convention center. Yeah, it's like yeah, so. Yeah. But yeah.
2: So for me, I've I've got a couple that are, are kind of tied here. So when my wife and I got married and went on our honeymoon, we stayed in Smith River, California, which is at the very very tip top of California. In fact, when we had to go they were kind of these cabins that were right on the ocean. In fact, that was you you walked out the back on the back of our cabin was they had kind of like a, a hot tub out in the back. And then you walked out and you didn't see any of the other cabins that were on the beach. You just looked out and all you could see was Pacific Ocean. And so and it was just this, this fun little cabin with it had its own little kitchen. So if we needed to get groceries, we actually had to drive into Oregon to go get groceries and come back. And, and so that was a good place to stay. The other one that was kind of fun we found it. It was during the off-season. We were visiting family. It wasn't even finished being built yet, so we got a crazy good discount on, on our stay there. And the, the room that we got was just amazing. Like, it was this big fireplace, and it just was—the whole place was beautiful. We were staying at the newly designed and built Lawrence Welk Resort in Branson, Missouri. hmm so we didn't go to see any shows there. I mean, I, I don't know that the Aldridge sisters were performing, but I don't know if he brought all of his headliners from the Lawrence Welk show or not. But, but uh, that was a fun place to stay. And it was kind of fun because there was really not a whole lot of other people around because it really and truly was, they weren't even finished building it yet. So they were, uh, it was in the off season in Branson. So they were offering deep, deep discounts on staying there since it wasn't even finished. But that ca- the cabins that we got out on the out on the beach in California those were those were pretty awesome. I would go back and stay there again. Right on. All right. And question number three: Is there a Christmas landmark that you want to, or that you feel like you have to visit each year, or one that you want to visit that you have never been to before? Pat's response was he would like to go see Bethlehem. I think that's a that would be an awesome one. Yeah, that would be going. My quick answer to this one is I always let, we go every year. We've, we've to fight the crowds. We now go the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So it's a lot less busy. We go to Chris Kindle market in Chicago every year. Mm. And definitely on a weekday earlier in the day, much better than going at night.
0: Yeah, with mine, it was around for the movie, I guess. I actually have never been to New York. Hmm. I don't have a desire to go to New York for much of anything else other than maybe Rockefeller or the ice rink at Christmas time. Okay, We're going to go. That's the time I'd like to go spend only in like a week or a weekend there and then probably get out of there. Yeah. I don't have a drive for New York for some, like I'm not a big, I don't know. But that for some reason that would be, and and then, you know, any, they're not a landmark, but like, I'm just thinking any Colorado, any place where it's a nice lodge. Nice lodge out in the woods with snow on the trees and just like they're not considered landmarks. But as far as the big landmarks, that's where I would go. I'd go Rockefeller Center.
1: Yeah. New York city.
2: Yeah. Love Fest, where would you go?
1: I think Rockefeller Center makes a lot of sense as far as something okay. to visit. Something I go see almost every year is the Walnut Room at uh, mm-hmm. Macy's in the that. city, have lunch or, or at least a, a, a wintry yeah. cocktail of some sort. And see the tree and that sort of thing, and the windows of of the former Marshall Fields building and that sort of thing.
2: We were kind of we we go there every time we go to Crystal Market. We go there afterwards. We've been kind of disappointed lately.
1: Oh, they've been weird lately.
2: They I, well, not just weird. It just they're it just looks lazy. They used to be very elaborate, and lately it's just like it looks like they've set up like a three piece cardboard cutout, and that's it.
1: Yeah, or they just keep doing the same thing in a couple of them. It's been weird lately. I agree.
2: They're trying to force, I even forget what the name of the the reindeer is. They're trying to force a new Rudolph down your throat, too. Oh, good times. Twinkle or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Twinkle, Tinkle, Large Marge, something. I don't know. Tinkle's not a good one. Tinkle. No, that sounds strange. It's a a new reindeer. His name is Rupert Pupkin. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Pumpernickel.
0: Yeah. Two two runners up that I also had would be I don't know if it'd be realistic North Pole, okay. Like mm-hmm. You go to the North Pole like just for Christmas to be at the North Pole for Christmas one time, and then the more realistic one that actually would probably happen before New York City. But I was thinking landmarks, and I think I feel like the, that Rockefeller Center and all that is more of a landmark. But I, I always want to spend I, I haven't done it yet, but I want to spend a Christmas in Branson, Missouri. Oh yeah. I know that there was a band it was a native American band delay that also like used to do Christmas shows there all the time. It mm-hmm. was like, and and I always thought that's a nice, maybe a drive down there in Christmas, spend a good week there, see them in concert. That's all lit up and they get the whole thing going everything else. That would be like a nice family sort of, and that's, that's maybe a doable one when I see one come back, they if, used to always do Christmas shows, but that's always been on my list and I never got to it. Yeah. I wouldn't consider it necessarily a landmark, but
2: yeah. If you, if you do ever actually end up going to Branson, because we used to go there multiple yeah. times a year, if you do ever go there, you should also, especially during Christmas time, you should also hit up the the kind of, I hate to call it an amusement park, but it's Silver Dollar City that's there. Yeah, Yeah, because yeah. yeah. what they do is they convert, because a lot of their rides are water rides, especially for yeah. the summer and springtime, and what they do is they pretty much just shut all those down, and they convert a lot of the park into almost like everything is decorated for Christmas. And all the, the winter wonderland type of thing yeah all the yeah. yeah and all the the shows are christmas shows and and all the it's yeah it's it's really, really nice at Christmas time, so if you ever end up going down there, Branson itself is nice, but you should you should make a stop at least for for part of one of the days to the silver Dollar city park.
0: you drive there,
2: we always did, yeah.
0: You know how long I'm it is? I'm it, but it's not that it's bad. I mean, it, five, when six we, hours maybe or more.
2: When we go, I mean, with with younger kids, and then sometimes bringing anybody older with us, we tend to have to make a few more stops than if it was just myself and Sharon. Okay. It probably, if if we was just if it was just the two of us, maybe eight hours. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Six to eight. All right. Yeah. You know, maybe. eight, eight, maybe half, eight. eight and a half,
0: nine, but yeah, okay. yeah. Okay.
2: St. Louis St. Louis is about halfway. It takes about That's you know, right, yeah, it's four and work. a half, five hours to get to St. Louis, and then it's about four hours after that. Ish. Yeah. So. All right. Well, everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this episode, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. If it is your favorite movie and we've completely trashed it, then you could join us on Patreon, because that tends to be the the pattern of, of how we handle these things, is we trash your favorite movie, and then you join us on Patreon as a co-executive producer so this one doesn't have to be any different you can you can do that as well
0: i would love to hear if somebody if it is really their favorite movie and if it, they think it tops number one and if so yeah. i'd like to know what, what why respectfully like mm-hmm. why like yeah. what makes it better than the first
2: yeah i would be curious too like if it's if yeah, I, especially I
0: people saying that two is better than one you know how you have whole mm-hmm. godfather thing it's like the other movies you can make cases for them and i'm like i don't know how you make the case for this one like what what and again doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable. doesn't right. mean you can't watch it. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying I don't see how it tops the first one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, our next episode's coming up. Our uh, We've got our Patreon for this month is Eating Raul from 1982. Our Patreon shorts that we had had this month were Christmas Story Christmas and Conan the Barbarian. Uh, if you've missed the other episodes so far this month, you can go back and catch those. It's the Rocketeer 40th Anniversary, Santa Claus the Movie, The Babe, All I Want for Christmas. Coming up for the rest of this month, we have a special bonus Christmas episode that is coming out on Christmas Day. not going to tell you what it is. You'll just get a surprise. And then Muppet Christmas Carol is how we are finishing out the year. And then coming up in January, our Patreon is The Outsiders from 1983. Our Patreon shorts are Mr. Mom from 1983 and Favorite Movies from 2022. Then our regular episodes are Jurassic Park. That's episode 450 for us. Matinee, Free Willy, and Dragon the Bruce Lee Story. So, we got some really good stuff coming up over the course of the next few weeks. So, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Dennis, Bo, thank you for being here. Thank you, John. Thank you guys. Everybody, be excellent to each other. Merry Christmas, and we will see you back here next time.